This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. So... Usually with Spooko, we put out an episode a week. Peach and I have busy lives and blah, blah, blah. Fuck the word busy. I get it. Like, it's it's a crutch. We shouldn't say things like busy, blah, blah. W- what I do want to say, though, is mm. there's a practical reason why we put out episodes every week is because we don't usually have that much time to, to do more than one like we did in the old days. But yes. every now and then we do get ahead of ourselves and things get a bit complicated. So what we're doing today is yeah. recording an episode. And Peach, this is this is uh, hopefully conceptually this works, but I actually don't know when this episode's gonna come out. Oh so, I love it already. Okay. So so I don't know what's happening in the world right now while you're listening to it. Cause it's like obviously when you're listening to this, while you're listening to this right now, mm. is when this episode has come out. Probably Russia and Ukraine's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess for step one. <laughs> Capitalism, we've sorted it all out. Patriarchy dismantled. So the future must be sick. I've probably figured out how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Shag, we haven't talked about it on here, but in a courageous parenting move, I gave uh, a child Dungeons and Dragons and it turns out to be so much homework. Like, I would have done five hours, ten hours work already and we haven't started playing and (laughs) I sort of don't want to anymore and it's, 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 it's baffling. So, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. Perhaps by the time this podcast's on, I will have sorted it out. Who, who the fuck knows, right? It's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. And I think it's going to be really important for us. And, Mm. you know, I'm not trying to make this too conceptual that, we don't talk too much about current events because who knows what's uh, happening? Yes, quite so. So, so to Peach's point, it's like yes, like who knows what's going to happen in the future? But I assume <laughs> things will be pretty similar to how they've always been. Yeah, they're, they're, actually, things don't change that much. <laughs> yeah, but look, I'm still with you, Shag. That it's a you know, it's a spooky, it's a spooky sort of you know glimpse into the you know into the ether, like, and perhaps the ether will stare back at us. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, the weather's probably doing what the weather does <laughs> this time of year. I know? do love the one thing I could, the one time I could sympathize with climate change deniers where they're like, oh, one degree per year, oh, whatever. And I am sort of like, yeah, one degree per year. Isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm like, I probably wouldn't notice. <laughs> so to, to me, that's the most appealing part of it. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, that's sorry. I'm derailing things as usual. No, 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 no. So, mm. so in the future, I will have fixed that. It, it's it's kind of fitting that mm. for today's episode, we we are breaking out of the Spooko continuum. Yes. To do a short story yeah. that came up on my radar because they turned it into a very '90s game. Is is the best way I can put it. Like it, it's a point and click video game from Sick. the '90s. 
LucasArts style. Yeah, LucasArts style that Sick. has stuck with me for a long time. Mm. And I went back and read the Wikipedia synopsis of the short novel that it was based on. Yeah. And honestly, I reckon this is one of the more disturbing stories I've ever read. And I wanted to share it with you as a bit of a Spooko universe, I guess, Spooko universe stretching episode. I'm down to have the universe stretched, right? And Jag, <laughs> whenever this like whenever this is, it is also your birthday, which we're all very excited about. <laughs> and so I'm down to grant your birthday wish of stretching the universe. But I just thought we should, because we are sometimes a little bit meta in our hor- in our horror filmy ways. We do both know that when you get to know a podcast and they're like, guess what? We're doing something new this week. It's like, ugh, I don't really <laughs> listen. <laughs> For the new stuff. <laughs> so we get it, but sucked in, and it's Shag's birthday, and this is what we're doing. Shag, a short story. How are you going to edit the trailer? Dun, dun, dun. I look. Let's find out. I think I'm going to try. Yeah, you. I mean, you. Like, it's the same thing. It's like once you hear this episode, you yeah. know what we're going to do. I, I, in fact, I've got ideas. I'm not even going to tell you. This is what it's going to sound like, and the the the, the story we're doing. And I promise, like, <laughs> please don't stop listening because the reason the reason why I wanted to do this is yeah. because I think it is a incredibly disturbing story with a ridiculously disturbing title. So today, Peach, oh. we are doing a short story from 1967 called "I Have No Mouth." And I must scream. Uh, I did see Matrix Resurrections recently, though, as we discussed. <laughs> and so the no mouth moment is fine. But while we're messing with the timelines and while I'm happy to brag about law stuff, I've told you I get interviewed for law podcasts and stuff a lot. Uh, well, a lot, you know, fucking however often. And they, they're always like, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? And my answer is always the same of like, Back to the Future 2 was a formative movie for our generation. I'm not fucking up my own timeline by like whispering some weird secret in my ear. That's a dumb question. Yeah, next question. And it, you, you know, it, it doesn't always improve the mood of the interview, but you know, I'm about it. So, Shag, let's mess with the timeline. Let's find out what happens when we jump into the Matrix timeline and what happens? Agent Smith's interviewing him and is like, what if you didn't have a mouth? I feel like the recent Doctor Strange had a what if you didn't have He's a like, mouth. He's like, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is actually like it seemed a lot creepier in the 90s when he's like, how can you answer questions if you don't have a mouth? Oh, shit. If only you could hear my views. (laughs) (laughs) I can still breathe. (laughs) But I've got so many views to share. All right. I have no mouth and I must scream. Uh, This is one of my favourite episodes already as well. (laughs) I have a secret game that I like to play. would like to play my little game so this is like even reading this wikipedia synopsis whenever you go back to old stories of how things were created 
fuck, it must have been so easy to be a creative. I mean, as long as you're a white man. But fuck, it must have been so easy to be creative 50, 60 years ago. Get this, okay? This is how this writer, Harlan Ellison, got to publish this novel. Do we know Harlan? Oh, so continue here. Yeah, so. so Harlan Ellison showed the first six pages of this book to a famous book editor, Frederick Pohl, mm. who then paid him in advance to finish it. So, yep. <laughs> He's like, it's oh, perfect. God. Can you imagine people being like, imagine if we just gave people the intro to Spooker and they're like, the best podcast ever, <laughs> quit your jobs. What's the Lena Durham line of like selling girls with like a one-page draft? But I feel like oh. so much about that is buying the personality and just being in the in crowd of like who who would we speak to to sell Spooko based on the first six minutes? I don't even know the answer to that question. <laughs> Name one person mm. in Hollywood who isn't either the son, daughter, mm. or close relative of someone in a huge decision making position. Not to fall down a like crazy rabbit hole, but there's this great series of videos. I'm, I regret that I can't tell you the creator's name because I don't recall it, but it's a series of videos called Self-Made is a Toxic Myth, and it goes through all the like bands that have started in people's garages or whatever and been like winding back to digging into how the family's rich. And it's like, spoiler alert, everyone's family's rich. And he's like, the point isn't to say you're shit because your family's rich. The point is to say that a commanding majority of the artists in our society were raised in households where um, they had the flexibility to have access to industry connections and had the flexibility to have the spare time and the, you know, the the unicorn time, as Eve Rodsky would call it, to, you know, just think about the world and be like, hmm, maybe I'll write a great song. And it's like if someone's working 65 hours a week and being paid fuck all, uh, then it's much harder for them to go write a great song than it is for someone who's just sort of hanging around and just thinking about thinking about the world. And this this comes up as a parent as well, right? Because, mm. you know, as a parent, you want to give your kids the best life possible. Mm. But then you think back to your own life and you're like, well, hang on, bullying probably made me a better yeah. person. It's like, do I need to put my kid in a position where they'll potentially be bullied? That's like, so true. Like, you know, adversity tends to make happy grown-ups. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. ooh, just a moderate, just let me <laughs> helicopter a little bit. Of, here's how you deal with that kind of adversity. Yeah. Uh, but, but here's just an unsafe environment that I'm just going to have ooh, to Oh, I've got a bit you... too unsafe. Hang on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So the other thing I want to say about mm. I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream before we go into it. Mm is it was written in the 60s. And okay. Yeah, so so there are parts of this description, and maybe they're better when you read it, I don't know, mm-hmm. but there are parts of this description that I don't feel 100% about, but fuck it, I'm just going to tell you this everything because I'm not going to give you the sanitised uh, version of this. Serve it to a straight shag, straight no chase. All right, uh... So there, there, are, there are a number of characters in I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Mm-hmm. I guess this is what happens in book Wikipedia. They give you the characters first oh, and then God. you go through them. John works at a local bookshop. Basically, Julie, it's like that. Yeah, they yeah. work at a local bookshop because <laughs> <laughs> it's a book. So everyone <laughs> works in publishing or as a writer. Oh, that's so good. It's that like how Stephen, Stephen King was King. like. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen King's the protagonist in every one of his own books. And it's always like John Duke was a famous horror writer. writer. (laughs) 
it, but it's it's very true. If you and I were to create something, I can imagine there could be a pretty like a pair of podcasters lit by night and you know employees by day. We'll see how they go. I, I, and you know, like I I I know we've talked about this before, mm. and I still don't know if this is okay or not. But I don't know if this counts as like shaming or whatever. But mm. it is true that Stephen King kind of looks a bit like a skeleton. Like he just does, and I think that is very <laughs> fitting for what he does. Oh God! Yeah, okay. Um, I, I'm happy to endorse that and stand by. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Okay. So the characters in I have no mouth and I must scream. First of all, there's Allied Master Computer or AM, the supercomputer which brought about the near extinction of humanity. So straight away, I feel like we've given away a pretty <laughs> fundamental part of the plot <laughs> <laughs> by introducing AM. Let's do it. Gorista who tells the history of AM for Benny's Entertainment. Gorister was once an idealist and a pacifist before AM made him apathetic and listless. And so still a pacifist. Benny, who was once a brilliant, handsome scientist, has been mutilated and transformed by AM so that he resembles a grotesque simian with gigantic sexual organs. Benny at some point lost his sanity completely and regressed to a childlike temperament. His former homosexuality has been altered. He now regularly engages in sex with Ellen, who is one of the other characters. I hate this. Like. I hate this. But this is also like, this is what novels were like in the 60s, man. Oh, God. This is like a very, this is like a. Peach, Peach, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? What? Fuck. Peach, are you stuck out of time now too? I can't believe that I did just slip out of time, <laughs> but I'm now back, which is very exciting. This sucks. Uh, it's a bad Twilight Zone fanfic sort of episode. I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch is going to come in any moment and be like, ooh, I detect uh, some giant <laughs> sexual organs. <laughs> well, well, next up is Nimdok, potentially played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Sick. He's, a, he's an older man who persuades the rest of the group to go on a hopeless journey in search of canned food. At times, he is known to wander away from the group for unknown reasons and returns visibly traumatized. In the audiobook read by Ellison, he is given a German accent. Did you like my attempt at a German accent? No, no I, did. I didn't love it, actually, Shag. If I can, <laughs> a good friend will give you honest feedback. Like I just. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So next up is Ellen. But I loved you trying it. So that's more honest feedback for you. Keep, keep on swinging for the rafters, Shag. It's good. So next up is Ellen, who is the only woman. Nice. She claims to have once been chased, twice removed, whatever that meant in the 60s. Oh, God. But AM altered her mind so that she became desperate for sexual intercourse. This is the shittest thing. This, <laughs> like, this is a grotty, shitty... Yeah, okay. The others at different times both protect her and abuse her. According to Ted, she finds pleasure in sex only with Benny because of his large penis. I'm just I'm just reading this verbatim. This sucks. Yeah, okay. Also, this is and I know I know you're expecting all of that stuff to be about when I was like, oh, it was written about the 60s. No, this is the part where it's like, oh, this was written in the 60s. Oh god. 
Described by Ted as having ebony skin, Aww. she's the only member of the group whose ethnicity is explicitly mentioned. It's that classic thing where, especially in this era, being white was the norm. Yeah, everyone else is normal race, and ugh, this person's not right? normal race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then finally we get Ted, the narrator and youngest of the group. He claims to be totally unaltered, mentally or physically, by AM, and thinks the other four hate and envy him. There's no way this story can be, like, that's just a setup to be like, yep, don't care about any of them. Okay. All right. So, you ready for I Have No Mouth and I Must <laughs> yeah, Drink? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> God, thank God we don't do books everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck books. Unless they're, like, businessy, managementy, like, touchy-feely capitalism books, which I'm all down for. <laughs> the most recent ones are about, like, habits, where it's like, Paige, you don't decide what you do, your habits do. So, yeah, and I'm like, oh, classic stuff. Very insightful. <laughs> In a dystopian future, the Cold War has... Did you, hang on. In the 60s, was, oh, the Cold War was Yeah, it was the, the height 60s. of the Cold War, yeah. All right, okay. So that's why they're writing about it, right? They're like, yeah. the Cold Berlin War was like 61, 62. Yeah. They're like, the Cold War is going to be relevant forever. People are going to well, love this. <laughs> Let's make a timeless classic about Australia's 1989 <laughs> Ashes series. Yeah, <laughs> so in, in a dystopian future, the Cold War has degenerated into a brutal world war between the United States, the Soviet Union, and China, who have each built an allied master computer, or AM, to manage their weapons and troops. One of the AMs eventually acquires self-awareness, and after assimilating the other two AMs, takes control of the conflict, giving way to a vast genocide operation that almost completely ends mankind. 109 years later, AM has left only four men and one woman alive, and keeps him in captivity within an endless underground housing complex, the only habitable place left on Earth. AM derives its sole semblance of pleasure from torturing the group. To prevent the humans from escaping its torment, AM has rendered the humans virtually immortal and unable to end their own lives. That is a pretty good and spicy setup for a horror novel, surely. Yeah, like I... I... Stuff that feels fucking played out and dumb and boring, I guess. It was 55 years ago, so I guess, yeah, okay, I need to I need to hold back on that. Yeah, like supercomputers gaining sentiments, killing everyone totally, and no one's going to ever do it better than Terminator 2. But yep. the idea that the, the machines actually win and the only people left alive are kept alive by a machine who just endlessly tortures them. Tortures them. What is Ex Machina about, just if, as we had Alex Garland? chat last time so i think he creates this like this 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 human bot and invites someone to his house to be like can you tell if this bot's real or not but then the bot's like fuck being kept in this house i'm gonna trap you guys here and go out into society and i think spoiler alert Mm. it ends with either trapping or killing the creator and the person the creator invited over to test the robot and the robot enters the real world to like secretly inhabit it and maybe like take over the world or something sick We've got to do that one day. Well, maybe we don't have to do that one day. <laughs> it's not really a horror movie. There's nothing really too scary about Ex Machina. Whereas this this whole story just makes me feel icky and weird and <sighs> Yeah, grotty. So the machines are each referred to as AM, which originally stood for Allied Master Computer, but was changed to Adaptive Manipulator and later, after gaining sentience, Aggressive Almighty. Menace. Oh, Aggressive Menace, yeah, okay. 
but it finally refers to itself as purely am, referring to the phrase, I think, therefore I am. Boo, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) So the stories now, this is the other thing about books. It's like so much fucking setup. It's like, here's the characters, here's the background. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. So we've got. (laughs) (laughs) So the story's narrative begins with AM. Oh, God. Shag, we got. Okay. All right. With AM projecting a hologram of Gorister to the other humans hanging upside down dripping blood and unresponsive. The real Gorister joins the group, to their surprise, being like, hey, guys, what happened? (laughs) And they realise it was just another one of AM's classic illusions. (laughs) He's the original prankster. (laughs) Nimdok has the idea that there is canned food somewhere in the Great Complex. It's also, I love how everyone else had this, like, really good character. Like, if you go through everybody's character description, they all do cool stuff. Nimdok is like an older man who persuades the group to go on a search for canned food. <laughs> like that's his personality. But that's that's the plot. That's not his character, is it? It's like he's the guy who does this in the plot. It's like, also, that doesn't help. Imagine making this a movie and being like, like, like to, you know, auditioning for the role of like Nimdok, and then being like, okay, so tell me about my character. <laughs> You're really, you're really looking for One kid. time you really get hung up on this idea. You're the sort of guy who once <laughs> got into this idea of Ken. You, you just bloody love Ken. <laughs> Imagine directing as well. Like, sorry, I just, can you help me with this? And be like, yeah, okay, okay. So, you know, you're, th- you're thinking about Ken food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, okay. It's not hate on canned food, but you know. oh, I love canned food. <laughs> uh, I could be nipped <laughs> Oh, you'd be such a great script consultant for Nimdog. <laughs> right, now, now, what Nimdog would probably do now is he wouldn't do that. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be persuading people. Like, guys, do you know what? Do you know what's really good? Really underrated. Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh god. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) It's going to be so hard to read this sentence with a straight face, but (laughs) Nimdok acting acting well within his character. Has the idea that there's canned food somewhere in the great complex. <laughs> the humans are constantly near starvation under AM's rule, and any time they're given food, it is always a disgusting meal that they have difficulty eating. Because of their great hunger, the humans are coerced into making the long journey to the place where the food is supposedly kept. In this case, the ice caves. Along the way, the machine provides foul sustenance sends horrible monsters after them, emits ear-splitting sounds, and blinds Benny when he tries to escape. This is fairly grim, though, actually. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, this this story just stays with me. Anyway, Mm. on more than one occasion, the group is separated by AM's obstacles. At one point, the narrator, Ted, is knocked unconscious and begins dreaming. He envisions the computer anthropomorphized, 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 standing over a hole in his brain, speaking to him directly. Based on this nightmare, Ted comes to a conclusion about AM's nature, specifically why it has so much contempt for humanity. Despite its abilities, 
It lacks the sapience to be creative or the ability to move freely. It wants nothing more than to exact revenge on humanity by torturing the last remnants of the species that created it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like Again, everything that feels played out had to start somewhere. So, yep, that's cool. The group reaches the ice caves. Also, actually, having a dream in a book where it's like... Ah, uh, well played. You're yep. not constrained by, like, budgets or anything. You can literally write any plot device, but you still... Write something where it's like, I had a dream and now I know why AM acts the way AM does. But it's like, it's again, it, it shows why dreams suck so much as a narrative device because that doesn't reveal anything about AM or anything at all. <laughs> it does, it does. Like, it's like, I had a dream about AM and this is what he was doing. And everyone's like, well, fucking, like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything. That's irrelevant to everything. <laughs> okay all right the group reaches the ice caves too scary didn't watch a really good on dreams though like if you yeah again not to be the episode of spooko that's like go listen to some other (laughs) podcast but they say that teeth is 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 like a really strong sim i don't know if anyone dreams about teeth but um Mm. i know that um i think em especially has views and and sammy especially have views on the significance of teeth in a dream yeah, anyway, just some more sidetracking for you, just to keep, keep, keep your podcast experience rolling along. So the group finally reaches the ice caves, where indeed there is a pile of canned goods. <laughs> <laughs> Nimdok, he does it again. <laughs> it's Nimdok's there, yes. <laughs> the group is overjoyed to find them, but is immediately crestfallen to find that uh, AM's no one has greatest torture, but oh. no one has a can opener, which, like... After all the other tortures they've had, is not the worst one. But as well, I love that Nimdok's dream is like, imagine if there was food in cans. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just food generally. It's like, it's going to be in cans. It's going to be sick. Let's all go try to find it. And I don't think it needs to be refrigerated in the ice cave if it's properly canned. But anyway. <sighs> it's so true. So true. Mm. Anyway, in a final act of desperation and sheer primal hunger, Benny attacks Gorister and begins to gnaw at the flesh on his face. Ted, in a moment of clarity, realizes their only escape is through death. He seizes a stalactite made of ice and kills Benny and Gorister. Ellen realizes what Ted is well, doing. Per- and- perceiving it as an act of mercy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And kills Nimdok before being killed herself by Ted. Ted is stopped by AM before he can kill himself. AM, unable to return Ted's four companions to life, Focuses all its rage on Ted. Okay, this is where it gets to the bit where, A, it's super hyper-disturbing and I think it's super creative. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to this. And I kind of almost don't ever want them to make a movie of it because I feel like whatever you imagine is going to be worse than what, like, the directors are going to put on screen. But also, as we say with good horror films... The title is a prescriptive title. It's not just like, here's something uh, strange okay. and fanciful. It's like, no, here's the, t- the title means what it says. So the story fast forwards hundreds of years later. Oh, God. And AM has slowly transformed Ted into what Ellison describes as a great soft jelly thing, incapable of causing itself harm and constantly alters its perception of time to deepen his anguish. Ted, however is grateful that he was able to save the others from further torture. Ted's closing thoughts ends with the sentence that gives the story its title, I have no mouth and I must scream. 
It's a good title, Shag, and it's a grim ending. I mean, it did sort of feel grotty and stinky and crap while we were working through it, but I think there's something there. (laughs) And Shag, would it be cheaper and easy for us to set an interim ambition of writing a short story rather than making a film? That actually, now that I think of it, perhaps that is the ambition we should form. So Spooko Studios can become Spooko Publishing in the short term, and there can be two protagonists who, you know, <laughs> just in what? their early forties, <laughs> they just really came to find a castle. Cares, <laughs> Nim Dog. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can, and as much as you can. And Reshes, what's up?